Coming to minister to us tonight is just one of the greatest preachers in the world, period. Not only in our church, but just, just around the world. He would say that he's a pastor. I've heard him say that. And I know that that is what he has done. He and his wife, Sandra, in Charlotte, North Carolina, 42 years. God has, has used them to build a great church in Charlotte, North Carolina. But there is one more thing that I believe that he carries with him that uh, I haven't heard him say, but something that I believe he I believe he carries a prophetic word. One concern I have today in the body of Christ, particularly in our tribe, where are the prophets? Where are the evangelists, the teachers, the apostles? Where are they? When I hear Pastor Loran Livingston preach, I hear more than just a pastor. I hear a prophet speaking. God speaks to him, and he speaks that word. And I'm so honored. We're so honored he's here. Thank you. His wife, Sandra, is here tonight. We're so honored to have you, Pastor Loran Livingston, come and preach to us. Will you give him a real nice hand as Pastor Loran Livingston comes to speak the word to us? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I feel uh, very touched by all of these words. I've been uh, drowning in great music tonight. It was surround sound, and I almost couldn't handle it. And uh, to be amongst my brothers and sisters and cousins in the Lord, in the church of God at least, um, Brother Matura walked to this pulpit many years, and I have appreciated over the years him yeah. his friendship and support and I mean that of course Danny's already mentioned the fact that we kind of grew up together and got in trouble together or he didn't mention that part but it, it was true and um, there are lots of faces I recognize tonight brother Madden thank you for the invitation and I feel, you know, preachers, we have sentences we like to use and catch words and phrases all the time. But this is not just a phrase. I feel a word from God. And I'm, I just felt in the room this afternoon that there are some young people, there are some pastors, and there are some ministers of all ages that are not going to just say amen and hallelujah. You're going to be stung, stunned by the question that God is going to pose to you tonight. So, Father, I thank you for the privilege again to preach. And I thank you for the sweetness of your word. I thank you for the revelation of your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for a congregation that is ready to receive what thus saith the Lord. And when this word is complete and people gather around this altar, may it be so, Lord, that someone makes a decision here tonight that will change them forever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And the whole church shouted amen. amen. You can be seated. 
Thank you so much. What I'm going to do, if you just bear with me a moment, I want to lay a little foundation. And I want to go all the way back to the 32nd chapter of Numbers. Now, don't let that scare you, okay? I want to ask you, don't you think it's time to cross over? Here's what I mean by that. By the time you get to the 32nd chapter of Numbers, it's time for Israel to cross over into the land that God has promised them. You would think that everybody's packed and ready to go. You would think that after all they've been through, there's an eagerness about it. But here's what gets you. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And they said to Moses, this is a land for livestock and we have lots of livestock. Do not take us over the Jordan. We don't want to go across. We've stayed here long enough to lay up some goods and we see that there's a future for us on this side. We know what's going to happen if we cross over. We're going to have to pick up swords and shields and we'll need night watchmen and guards and we'll have to build fences around our homes because we're going into enemy territory. And to be right honest with you, we like it over here. It's comfortable. We've already made friends in the community. And if you'll just leave us alone. Now, if you get over there and you get in trouble, we'll run and help you. Moses said, well, let me tell you, you are going to pick up swords and spears and shields and you are going across. You're going to help your brethren because it was this very attitude, he said, that caused your fathers to anger the Lord and caused them to wander for 40 years. They refused to follow the Lord with their whole heart. And he said, you've risen up with the same attitude that your forefathers had. You don't trust God. You want to live right where you are. You're settled right where you are. They said, we will not inherit with our brothers on that side of Jordan. We will build our sheepfolds here and our cattle herds here, our livestocks, our cities, and our children will stay on this side. And verse 32 says, we will cross over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan, but the possession of our inheritance shall remain with us on this side of Jordan. And that was it. They made a decision. Can you imagine being the people of God, knowing what God had promised, knowing that there is always a sparkling future in front of those who walk with God and then make a decision to back up and stay where you are? See, here's the deal. The word Jordan, and every preacher in here knows this, the word Jordan means descent into death. To go down into death. 
Every river in the Bible is symbolic. Every stream, every piece of property is symbolic of something spiritual. They're all metaphors for us New Testament believers. And the reason they didn't want to cross the Jordan was that they would have to die to what they already had. Die to what they wanted. Die to the idea that they could be comfortable and prosperous apart from God's people not having crossed over with the blessing of the Lord. Now, what's strange to me is that if you go all the way back when Moses starts talking to Pharaoh, uh, you, you see that those very same tribes would not leave their family and belongings in Egypt just to go worship God for three days in the wilderness. But neither would they take their family and belongings into the promised land to have eternal inheritance. They had enough faith to cross a sea, but not enough commitment to cross a river. They could cross a sea by faith to get away from Pharaoh, but they couldn't cross a river to be in God. They could have had milk and honey and they settled for grass and cows. They could have crossed over to live in miracles and abundance, but they chose to stay here with comfort and ease and fade into obscurity. Now that's an important word right there. Fade into obscurity. What does all that mean? You have to go all the way over to Matthew chapter 8, which is exactly what I'm going to do, and find out what happened to the Gadarenes. You don't hear another thing about them until you get here. And the Bible says that Jesus went to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes. But in your footnote says the place of the Gadarenes. Luke actually calls it the place of the Gadarenes. And Jesus went over there and met two demon-possessed men. And when those demon-possessed men came to him, they said, we know who you are. Don't destroy us before the time. Don't torment us now. Let us go into that herd of pigs. Oh, brother, can I tell you something? When you make the decision not to cross over, you may have cattle at that time, but when you refuse to move on with God, you'll end up slopping the pigs. You will have forfeited God's best and brightest for you. When you leave God out of the equation, when you decide to live in comfort, when you don't want to fight the good fight of faith, when you just want revival every once in a while, your cows will turn into pigs and your blessings will fade away. I tell you, there is a danger in not crossing over, in not making a decision to get out of a comfort zone. Sometimes I get tired of that phrase and other times I say, that's probably the best phrase I've ever heard because we are addicted to comfort. We are addicted to safety. We are addicted to blessings. And we don't realize that what we have now is second rate and God always has something better and higher for us. So after all of those years, they passed into obscurity. 
They were more concerned with pigs than people. That's why they could let demon-possessed people run around in their midst naked. That's why they could listen to him howl like a wolf at night and scream in a demonic voice. And they could chain him up and he could break the chains and the people were still more concerned about their livelihood of raising pigs than they were poor people for whom Jesus Christ died. These are a people called by God. And now they're afraid of God. Yeah, that's what happened. When they heard that Jesus was there, and some of the people watched this miracle that he performed. He cast this devil out and went into that herd of pigs and those pigs. See, even pigs don't want to be demon possessed. Even pigs don't want to be around devils. And all those pigs, thousands of pigs ran over the cliff and drowned and they ran into town. This is the country of the Gadarenes. And the Bible says they came back and begged him to leave their country. Do you hear me preaching to you? These are the people of God who are now afraid of God. These are the people who saw the miracles of God but are now skeptical of a miracle from God. These are the people that saw the Lord tear a nation up, destroy a nation that had them in bondage, but now they're in greater bondage than they'd ever been before. At one time, it was national bondage. Now it's personal bondage. They don't want God. They don't know God, and they are still the people of God. He didn't take his hand off of them. They could have had everything God promised them, but because they were not willing to cross over, to descend into death, to die to self, and live in the power of God. They were now living a low class religious, spiritually dead existence. They were supposed to be thriving. They were supposed to be enjoying the abundance of God and all they do now is get up every day and walk behind hogs clean them up and feed them the very unclean animal, the very animal God told them not to touch or eat. They are now nursing and taking care of. Let me just tell you somebody here tonight, refusing to wholeheartedly follow God and cross over into that, that place that scares you that place where you know you can't do it by yourself, that call that God has put on you. See, that pressure you feel is the hand of God. It's pushing you to descend into death and forget about trying to be comfortable in this life and to move into a spiritual realm where you've got to have God's help every day. You can't depend on your ability. You don't have enough talent to do what God has called you to do. You've got to have the touch of God, the anointing of God. And until you die to yourself and your ability and your dreams and your own desires. See, people don't want to hear that these days. We're encouraged to follow your dream, get a dream, build a dream, do everything, dream yourself to death. 
but very few people are called to fall on their face before Almighty God. Very few are challenged to go ahead, step across, descend into death, and see what God is able to do in your life. Oh, when I say fade into obscurity, that, you know, it's possible to be a child of God and be insignificant. To not even make a difference in the kingdom. To have no value to God. God is looking for somebody who will step out of the boat, step on the water. And I'm afraid we have too many, I always preach to the preachers. We've got too many young preachers trying to be somebody else. Trying to pattern and design your ministry after somebody else. Trying to have the facilities and all of the extras and to use their methods to do something for God. You can't do that. He didn't call you to imitate anybody. I knew I was going here and I didn't want to and I asked the Lord not to let me do it. He didn't call you to be somebody else. He didn't call you to try to keep up with the other churches either. He didn't call you to build the biggest one. He didn't call you to be the most famous anything. He called you to shepherd his sheep, to feed the flock of God. He called you not to have strength in numbers and strength in finances. I'll tell you, I know very few people who have strength in those two areas that have a crucified life. I, I know very few who can say, we've got all the resources we need who are dead to the flesh and dead to self. Uh, it's when you got to have God. It's when you hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's when you say, I can't live here anymore. I cannot take this anymore. This average, mediocre, religious lifestyle, I can't hack this anymore. And brother, one of these days, you're gonna get so sick and tired of trying to climb somebody else's mountain, of trying to do it yourself, of raising cows and trying to find another pasture. You're gonna get so sick and tired of being a child of God, but having no more than a child of the devil until you're gonna finally say, Lord, I am yours. Take me, all of me. Let me be crucified with Christ. Folks, we're Pentecostals. I'm a Pentecostal. I speak in tongues. We have tongues and interpretations at our church. I'm not ashamed of that. You don't have to lower the standard to try to get people in. Uh-oh, I, I knew I shouldn't have started that. Uh, don't get me going here. Uh-uh. Don't get me started on seeker-sensitive stuff because I don't believe for one moment that you have to appeal to sinners, that you've got to change everything to get sinners in. I still believe that if you'll let God set you on fire, they'll come in to see you burn. I mean it. I mean what I'm saying. 
We're far too concerned about sinners coming than we are the presence of God being there. But at some point in this crazy Christian world we're living in, you're exactly right, my friend. Bishop, we've got way too many teachers teaching far too much stuff that don't make a bit of sense. And they do it with no anointing. See, everybody thinks that because they can teach a little bit that they are anointed. Oh, no, sir. No, God doesn't just say to everybody, go ahead, you're anointed, you're a pastor, you're a teacher, you're a prophet. No, he says, I pick them out. I choose them. I lay my hand on you. You can't just pick up a Bible and decide you're a spiritual leader. There has to be an anointing that comes upon you. But when it does, God expects you to cross over and get into a place where you have to have him every day. Think about it. To be a Christian and be meaningless in the kingdom. To be a child of God and not frighten hell one bit. To be a, a child of the Most High and make no difference in what the good Lord is doing in these days. It'll cost you, brother, if you're going to cross over. You know, Jesus said, many are called, few are chosen. There it is right there. I call many, but I choose a few. I, chose, I choose them to live a life the many cannot live. I choose them to die a death. The many will never die. I choose them to carry a burden that the many cannot understand. I choose them to be lonely many times. I choose them to be broken and busted up all of the time. I choose them to limp like Jacob because he wrestled with God. And even though God said you won, you have prevailed with me and men, he limped the rest of his life. Not everybody gets chosen to limp. There are a few limping around here and a few that are broken and a few that are scarred. Those are the ones that have crossed over and understand that there is no life like the life of the resurrected Jesus. Life is not a big crowd clapping for you. Life is not a building being filled up. Life is to know that wherever he leads you, he's beside you. And no weapon that's ever formed against you will prosper. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. How about this? Many are saved, but few are converted. This is not an uneasy moment. I'm just waiting for you to hear what I said. Many are saved, but few are converted. Many are delivered from the power of sin. Many have 
come out of Egypt. Many have crossed the Red Sea, but few will cross the Jordan and say, not I, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Many are saved, few are converted. The Bible teaches us that every single one of us is to move from glory to glory to glory to glory. Faith to faith to faith to faith. Do you hear that? That's called conversion. It's going across. It's crossing over to the place that your whole life is Jesus. Or you hear people talking, but you hear him whispering. It's Jesus. You, you sense the masses, but you're even more sensitive to his presence. You see, many are called. Few are chosen. Many are saved. Few are converted. And I would say to you, if God has called you to preach, and if you are indeed a valid, legitimately anointed teacher, then you are not one of the boys. When God told, I didn't plan to go here. I don't know how much time I got, but I'm, I, I'm headed in a direction here. I don't, he must be from my church. And I don't have time to give this what it really needs. But Moses, God said to Moses, I want you to take you and the sons of Aaron and I want you to take them down in front of the door of the tabernacle. Now they were feeling good. We're called to preach. We're called to the ministry. Yeah, man, we've been picked out. We've been chosen out of all of those. And they were standing down in the front ready to take on their priestly duties their ordination was coming and God said, now tell Moses to strip them in front of everybody. Now, the ministry has changed. <laughs> now the glory is gone. And that's exactly what he did. The history says he stripped them down to the bare covering of their growing. And then he said, wash them in front of everybody. In other words, all that pomp and all that glory has now seeped away. It has evaporated because the whole nation of Israel is watching you get a bath from an old man. <laughs> and then he says, now that they've been totally broken, humiliated in the eyes of men, Go inside and bring out those priestly robes. And they said, okay, now we can handle this. Beautifully woven robes by anointed seamstresses and artisans. Breathtakingly beautiful apparel that Moses put on them very carefully all the way down to their feet with their trousers, linen trousers and their robes and even up to the turban. And now they thought, now nah, this is what the ministry is all about. I knew we'd get here sooner or later. I'm in a different tithe bracket now, brother. 
And God said, all right, now what I want you to do is bring a bull over here and have all those finely dressed and well-washed, pompous preachers to lay their hands on the head of that bull. And when they did, he said, now cut his throat. And when Moses cut his throat, the blood spewed everywhere. And they thought, no, it's, it's, we've gone downhill again. We're backing up. I thought the ministry was more glamorous than that. So all of a sudden, they've got blood under their fingernails and it's drying and blood all over those beautiful garments and blood all around their feet and it's coagulating and here come the flies and they think, I don't know about this ministry thing. I thought it was all about preaching from the pulpit. I thought you could just stand there and have people say, hey, preacher, how you doing today, pastor? You're one of the greatest I've ever heard. But this is not how it's panning out to be. I've got dry blood all over my hands. I got it spewed in my face. My clothes are dirty. What am I supposed to do now? And God said, Moses, tell them to walk right over and walk in the temple and sit in the door for seven days. Don't do a thing. Just sit and wait. My God, that can't be the ministry. We got things to do. We've got people to visit. We've got programs to organize. We got speaking engagements all over the country. Oh, what do you mean sit for seven days? And that's exactly what they had to do. They didn't eat. They didn't drink. They sat with their blood soaked. Now the blood is dried garments and blood under their fingernails and dried blood in their hair. And they just sat. And God said, now you're in the ministry. This is what it's all about. It's not about glamour. It's not about beauty and popularity. I may have picked you out. I may have chosen you, but I didn't choose you to be pretty. I didn't choose you to be popular. I chose you to carry the burden of the word of the Lord. But here's what's amazing. They sat there for seven days. And the Bible says on the eighth day, Moses walked out with them. What a stench that must have been. Hungry, stinking preachers. <laughs> and the Bible says Moses walked out and they raised their hands. And the glory of the Lord, the fire of God fell in the midst of the people. Do you hear the story I'm trying to tell you? Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are saved, but only a few get converted, get blood soaked, get trained, get initiated to wait on the power of God. Until God speaks, they don't speak. Until God ministers to them, they don't minister to anybody else. But I got another one here. Am I being too boisterous? I don't know. I can't. It's just the way I am. How about this one? Many are saved, but few choose. Few choose. Very few choose to become living sacrifices. Very few choose to serve God gladly wherever he puts them. 
Very few choose to cross over into the unknown and the uncomfortable. Very few choose to say, if I have to walk behind my sheep with a shovel, I'll do it. I won't have my assistant do it. See, we've made the church into a business. That's all I'm going to say right there. If I'm the one that has to pick the ticks and fleas off the sheep, I gladly do it because he laid his hand upon me. I choose to cross over. You see, even Jacob, you know, when he was running for his life, the Bible says he crossed over Jordan. He descended into death, but then he got to another brook called Jabbok. Would you like to know what Jabbok means? Empty. Emptied out. Poured out. So here's the man wrestling with God. Here is a man running for his life. He's crossed over, but God is calling him to even deeper wealth in the spirit. And he just has to pour everything out. Folks, the life of Jesus only comes out of dead people. The life of Jesus is evident only through those who have no life but Jesus. Can you hear what I'm telling you tonight? I'm going to tell you one more thing. This stung, stung me today so badly. Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his dregs and has not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore his taste remained in him and his scent has not changed. Can I preach just a, another minute here? Here's what God says about a man who had never crossed over. Who has never faced a challenge. Who wouldn't give up this side to get to that side. He said he's been at ease since he was young. He has settled on his dregs. That means... Like tea leaves settle on the bottom. There's not been a stirring. And all that creates the flavor is on the bottom. And he said he has not been emptied from vessel to vessel. You see, God, when he sees that someone's too settled, it's like pouring wine into different glasses so that the wine doesn't become sour. It has to be poured from one vessel to another. And if that doesn't happen, God said his taste remained in him and his scent has not changed. Meaning, it's like a, a bottle of wine that hasn't been opened. Until it's opened, the taste stays inside. Did you hear me? And his scent has not changed. Meaning, the aroma of it has not been given the freedom to waft through the people of the Lord and they're far. Oh God, I wish I could come down here. I'm not used to preaching up here. No, I can't. I'll hurt myself. Listen. 
There are far too many people who say, I've got the Holy Ghost. You don't mind if I say it that way, do you? I got the Holy Ghost. But you still got your cork in, my brother. Uh, you got it building up on the inside. It's rumbling and it's, it's, it's like carbonated water. The pressure is building, but you won't let it out. And the reason there's no holy scent of God around you and the taste of heaven is not coming from you is that you've not let God take the cork out. You've not let him pour you from glass to glass. Therefore, it's all still inside of you. You're not willing to cross over. You're not willing to be dead with Christ. You're not willing for him to open you up because the life of God cannot come out of that which is stopped up and sealed up. Revival comes when a man or a woman says, break me, oh God. Like that lady with the alabaster box. As long as that alabaster was in that box, nobody even knew it. Nobody knew she was in the room, but when she broke it and the scent the beautiful aromatic scent began to waft through the room. Everybody started looking around saying, I smell something wonderful. There's a difference in this place. Can I preach just a moment right here? When you let God break you open, when you let him cause you to walk in brokenness, that's when the scent of resurrection life and the scent of Holy Ghost power will go before you and people will notice a difference in the way you live. So I don't know how long I've preached. I know I've overdone it. I'm lightheaded. It's hot up here. I told myself I wouldn't do this. But you see, I don't think any service like this is just a calendar event. I feel the Holy Spirit right now. I believe that someone's life tonight, not because I preached it, but because he spoke it. Someone's life is going to be changed. You are going to make a decision to cross over and see what God is able to do with someone who has nothing left, someone who's been broken open, someone who's willing to leave it all behind and cross over into a land you don't know anything about. Now can I get an amen? amen? At some point, preacher, you have to say, if I perish, I perish. But I'm going to cross over. Jesus even said, not my will, but yours be done. He crossed over right then. It was a done deal right then. So the question I want to ask with all this spitting and spewing up here. The question I want to ask, is there anybody here that God has been dealing with? You feel an urge. You want something supernatural. I am coming down. 
I, at my church, I always come down. But I believe, Brother Madden, you've got young men and women here tonight who are trying to figure out what to do with their call. But let me tell you, it's not about where you go. It's about who you will become. Hallelujah! It's not about getting the right appointment. Forgive me, but it's not even the degree you might get. It is, am I going to be man enough or woman enough to look at all this comfort and yet say, I can't live my life here. There's a power on me. There's an anointing in me. There's a call on me. I got to leave it and cross over into the unknown where I have to trust God every day of my life. Not the state office, not the general office, but my God will become the one who appoints me because he has anointed me. There are some people in here tonight, and they're not all young. We have some older people trying to figure out what to do right now with this call that God has put on you. Sandra and I did that. I'm not here to give a personal testimony, but it happened to us. We had it made in Ohio. I could have lived there. I could be there today, pastoring or whatever. But God, can I tell a story? We went back to North Carolina to visit our people. And we were happy up in Ohio, preaching everywhere. We preached in great big churches. We preached in little churches. But we were preaching and she was singing. Man, we had it going on. Went to Charlotte and her father-in-law. I'm sorry, my father-in-law, her father, said, Doc, there's a little group of people in Charlotte trying to start a new church. And they've asked me to be their interim pastor. How about preaching for us tonight? Or was it this morning? I said, I'll do it. It's all I do anyway. I got some red hots, brother. I can lay it on them. <laughs> I did. I said, I ain't got to study for this. This is a piece of cake. I go and preach. There were 27 people there. All the men came up and said, hey, would you be our pastor? I said, no. <laughs> you don't have a church. You don't have a building. You don't have anything. No, I won't be your pastor. They said, will you preach for us tonight? I said, why not? I'm thinking honorarium. <laughs> I preached that night. They all came up and said, would you please be our new pastor? I said, no, I'm going back to Ohio after Christmas. God bless you. Whatever you decide to do, God bless you. We lived through the Christmas season, went back home every morning at 8 o'clock for four months. 8 o'clock, you could count it on your watch. Five, four, three, two, one, ding-a-ling, hello. Uh, Brother Livingston. This is Jim Carter from the church. We just thought we'd call and ask you one more time, would you be our pastor? <laughs> uh, well, I just think I'll tell you one more time. No, I'm happy. Goodbye. Every morning, every morning.
And one morning we're lying there in bed. And I'm actually, I'd preached that night. We'd, we traveled and got back to our little apartment. And I was looking at the watch saying, five, four. The Holy Spirit said, today you will say yes. Oh. <laughs> I reached over. We're going, aren't we? I said, we got to go. I picked up the phone. I said, I'll be there on Mother's Day. He said, excuse me, hello. I said, I will be there on Mother's Day. You talk about a sick feeling. But here's what I knew. I knew God had something. I didn't know what it was. But whenever a scary situation that makes your stomach churn is put before you after you've prayed and sought God, brother, that's the Jordan River flowing by you. And that's God saying, it's time to cross over. Long story short, we moved down expecting our first baby pulling a U-Haul trailer. They moved us into one of the nastiest houses I've ever seen. They had bought an X-rated drive-in theater and were putting up a metal building and the bumps are still there today. I'm telling you, it was a mess. And we went there and on the first Sunday, there were 19 people. And for three years, nobody came to church but that same little bitter bunch of Church of God rebel rousers. They came and they sat and they grunted and they groaned, but I got up because I had crossed the Jordan and said, one of these days, you're going to come to church and won't have a seat. God's going to send them by the hundreds and God's going to send them by the thousands. And, and they laughed, but I'd already crossed over Jordan, you see. I'd already died to myself. I already knew what God said he was going to do. And the rest is history. So brother, when that sick, scared feeling comes up inside of you, don't you say, look what the devil's trying to do to me. You're a child of God. The devil can't touch you. You're God's piece of property. God's about to take you somewhere you've never been in all of your life. Just step out by faith. Just cross by faith. And when you get there, you still won't know where you are, but you'll know that God is there with you. Can I get an amen from somebody? I still don't know where I am. I still don't know how to pastor a church. My brother's never had a music lesson in his life, and he's the choir director. We don't know what we're doing. I just get up and say, God, can you help me one more time? If you'll help me this time, I won't bother you anymore. And God says, I'll give you this for this day, and you worry about next day, next time. Don't try to pile it up. I'll give you what you need when you need it. Isn't that great? And I tell you, the Lord said, you're done. Stand up with me, please. No, I don't know why I'm going back up here. I want to do something here. I wonder if there's anybody who has experienced this sensation, a call, uh, an unction, an urge, an uncertainty. You know God's up to something. Come down here, please. Come down here, please. You know God is up to something. Can I tell you something, brother? He's not going to give you 
the whole plan. Lord, what am I supposed to do the next 10 years? Friend, you just better live the next 10 minutes. The Spirit blows where it wants to. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. Come a little closer if you would, please. Come a little closer. And now what I'd like for the others of you to do is just come stand behind these. Just just stand behind these people. God is inviting His people to cross over. Where's the pastor of the church? Here. Where's the pastor? Okay. How many of you pastor churches? Do you? Can I give you a little word from the Lord? If you'll be more concerned about feeding the flock than leading the flock, the flock will get healthy and the Lord will lead both of you. Quit trying to lead the flock to a bigger this or that and just fill them up. Is that okay? Fill them up. Feed them God's word. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. He never said lead my sheep. Feed them. Diligently search the scriptures and feed my sheep. And then I'll lead both of you to a place you've never imagined. Can I get an amen? You know, even if you're retired, that that has nothing to do with your call or your, your Christianity. Even if you're retired, you can be one of the mightiest intercessors and prayer warriors because this is what God sees. What I did tonight is what a lot of people think ministry is. But you don't know what you have to do before you get up here and do this. See, waiting in the door of the tabernacle, blood under your fingernails. So I'm going to leave this up to God now. And I'm going to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that sickening uneasiness that somebody must be feeling right now because they have been hearing God tell them to do something hearing you to tell them to do something they've been feeling an urge to step out and do something but they don't know if it's the flesh they don't know if it's you 
But you sent me here tonight to confirm to them. They've been chosen. They've been called. And now they must choose to step over. Wait on that still small voice a moment. Can I tell you a little addendum to that story of going to Charlotte? When nobody was coming to church, I don't ever remember thinking, did I miss God? Because in my heart, I'd already crossed over and knew I was where I was supposed to be. You hear me? I never thought, I, I, I had it made up there. Did I, did I understand the Holy Spirit? What am I doing here? Is this what God wants me to do, Pastor? 20 people? But in here, I knew. Before they even put up the building, they laid the, the slab. And, and I went over there one day in a suit in July and stood on the slab where I knew the communion table was going to be. And I looked out at the traffic on Kilbourne Drive. And I raised my hands and I said... Lord, I know you sent us here, but I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to pastor. I don't know how to get people to come, but I know you sent me here. And that's what you have to do. You have to know whom you have believed and be convinced that he's able to keep what you've committed to him until that day. Could you lift your hands and just praise him? Praise Him. Praise Him. Do you sing? Does anybody sing? Sing a song. Yeah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come for love this place and feel the atmosphere. Your glory.
it with us. Come from this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long to be overcome by your presence. Come on, lift your voice. Sing it out. Say at me for just a moment. I'm not going to add anything just to say I told you. That was a prophetic rhema word. Very simple. All summer long, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me in Corinthians where Paul talked about where Moses had the veil because of the fading glory. didn't want people to see it that it was leaving them God help us with this word tonight and I'm going to pray in just a moment I'm going to you can stay pray as long as you want to but this kind of word you, you just don't drop it off when you go out the door this brings change that we need just lift your hands again. Let's just let's just wait. Just just thank you for your word we have heard from you we have heard your voice 
that we know we are in your presence and you are speaking to us individually. You're speaking to us corporately right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that in the middle of the night that this word will wake us up. That we will never be the same after this night we hear this word and we will cross over. Holy Spirit, touch us, grip us. We feel your presence. We feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now. We feel it. Lord, forgive us for our complacency. Forgive us. Out of that forgiveness, do something fresh among us. It can only be attributed to you and your spirit and your power working in us. Do it, Holy Spirit, I pray.